Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. All right, everyone, welcome to Modern Love. Oh, do we have a lot to talk about tonight, because we're going to talk about emotional terrorism, and given all the things happening in the world around us from what's happening in Bangladesh to Brussels, from Paris to Istanbul, right here in America, from Dallas to Minneapolis, and of course in Louisiana, here in San Francisco, we have so much going on that needs our attention. I'm delighted to have a wonderful expert with us tonight, Dr. Susan Heitler, who has written a book that we'll tell you more about in a minute. But if you're wondering how do we deal with conflict, whether it's out in the world or at home, how do we find resolution as opposed to something much more difficult, which would be something that looks like it's bordering on, you know, just an outbreak of violence, although we know a lot of that's been cooking and going on for a very, 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 very long time. If we talk about police violence against African-American people, that's not a new story. So we've got so much here, and the question is, tonight we're going to take it from the big picture to what's happening in your home. And the question is, are you living with an emotional terrorist? Mm, Think about it. And just to be clear, we're not talking about abuse, but rather we're talking about the fear and the ineptitude that so many of us feel when we have to deal with resolving things that come up in our love lives, whether it's confusion or conflict. And Dr. Heitler, our guest tonight, says we have to learn to eliminate terrorist words that turn conversations into danger zones. So I'm going to let you know Dr. Heitler is educated at Harvard and NYU. She writes Popular Psychology Today and YourTango.com blog posts that have garnered over 7 million reads. And her Power of Two book and workbook teaches couples the skills for marriage success. And maybe we can apply some of those out in the world. Please welcome Dr. Susan Heitler to the show. Hello. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a, a pleasure, pleasure to, to join have you. you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you because we have a lot to talk about. I know you're yes. no stranger to talking about difficult topics. You've been interviewed in magazines like Fitness, Men's Health, Women's World, Parenting, Ladies Home Journal, uh, Can This Marriage Be right. Safe? We have that in common. I've frequently contributed, and I hosted the television show, Can This Marriage Be Safe, for Ladies Home Journal. Oh. So with all of that, 
very, very important for you to give us your take as you look at the big picture before we take it home, because you're an expert in how to resolve conflict. What would you say we need to think about in terms of the various conflicts around us and what about the feelings so many people are having of devastation and discouragement and outrage? Okay, that's a big question. It uh, is a big question, I said. know, and I'm going to take advantage of you, so forgive me for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So part of what's intriguing to me about how conflicts get managed is we see the same patterns at a large level, like the conflict between those who believe in jihadist extremist Islam and want to control the whole world, they function actually remarkably similar to the man in a family who wants to control his wife or the woman who wants to control her husband. What they have in common is both of them, instead of discussing in a collaborative way their viewpoints, others' viewpoints, and instead of allowing for differences, both the abusive spouse and the abusive political person use violence, verbal violence or physical violence, to intimidate the other side. And by intimidating them, by bullying, they get the other to do what they want. Are you there okay? Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, I'm so sorry. I put myself on mute so you wouldn't get a lot of background noise. And I'm talking oh. away over here. Oops, <laughs> okay, I, I want to throw you a really difficult question. Okay. How do you, because I get the jihadist and I get the abusive spouse, absolutely, having worked with right, God knows right. how many couples in my career, as I know you have also. How do we understand the violence that the police have historically visited on the African-American community. A lot of people are well, going, wow, this is new when it's been going on, you know, right after the uh, Civil War. 3,000 documented cases of lynching are in the Library of Congress. Right. So right. how do so, we understand um, that? Okay, so th- this is a very important distinction. There is legitimate authority and legitimate authorities sometimes have to be very strong. I saw a policeman recently when I was walking out of the 7-Eleven being very firm but in a polite way with a vagrant who was probably either drunk or mentally ill. And this very effective policeman he made it very clear who was in charge. He was a, had a presence that was in charge. He walked up close. He moved him away. He didn't but do he it didn't in a way that was insulting, and he didn't use needless violence. And yet he used appropriate authority. So that's the model of good good policing. Now, obviously, if someone is got a gun in their hand and are actively shooting, then the policeman may have to... Shoot in so return. That's, not but that's what we're a seeing. very rare, right? Yeah. That's not what we're discussing. So that's what legitimate authority looks like. Mm-hmm. By contrast, um, I'll describe. I'm white, not black, but I'll describe what happened to my grandson uh, just last week, actually, in downtown Denver. 
he was happily riding his bike through the mall. He rides everywhere. I'm so proud of him. And he heard a police car behind him with a loudspeaker. He couldn't understand what it was saying, but the loudspeaker was saying something. So finally he turned around to look. Two policemen jumped out of the car, ran up to him, grabbed him off his bike. It turned out they were saying to him that biking is not allowed on the mall, but he couldn't understand the loudspeaker and all the noise. The degree of aggressiveness that they used for this sweet 15-year-old kid was astounding. And furthermore, there were no signs posted that said no bike riding on the mall. So he was totally stunned and didn't know what to think. So the reason I give that example is that's an abusive use of violence, that the police were too preoccupied with intimidating and controlling him and didn't understand, they just had to explain to him. So that happens to white and to black, and there certainly has been more visible history of extreme black violence, violence against blacks. Excuse me, like you say, lynchings being the ultimate. Well, uh, a lot of people, time, of course, are saying that police shootings today is just the modern version of lynching. Uh, you could say that, and you could say police, over-utilization of their power, doing it in a, using their power in a bullying way has been around for a long time. Some police departments are better than others. Some policemen and women are better than others. Uh, and certainly our standard of how to be an authority without becoming a bully or worse, violent yeah. and a terrorist. Which, in just a moment, to talk more about what happens at home. But let me just say that the other thing we won't get in a big discussion about right now is that a lot of the police violence aimed specifically in a deadly way at the black community is also fed by historic racism, this projection somehow that all black people are criminals or uh, are less worthy because no white person is shot at will the way black people are. So there's there's a deeper discussion, and I so appreciate you bringing your experience and your wisdom because this need to intimidate and control someone that you feel is less powerful or less worthy is certainly something in common with what happened to your grandson. We talk about jihadists, when we talk about bad cops, racist cops, and... Now let's let's take it home. What happens okay. for couples where some of these patterns are happening in the home in marriages? Absolutely, in marriages and in parenting. In other words, some parents instead of being strong, clear authorities, become bullies, become authoritarian tyrants. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a difference. And how does that look when it's between a couple? Do what I say. Do this. You did that wrong. All those angry statements, anger sounds scary. So the bottom line is it's intimidation rather than collaboration. Mm -hmm. Now what about the person, because I certainly, as I'm sure you have worked with many couples, where someone just goes off they go on a 
angry tirade. They're out of control. They're in the other person's face, screaming and right. yelling, sometimes cursing, calling names. They don't hit, but they're close well, enough that, you know, it's terribly intimidating right. and frightening. So each terrorist, whether they're political terrorists or in-the-home terrorists, draw a line somewhere. So some parents or angry spouses will say, well, I shout at him, but I don't call him names. Could be a woman or a man. Or they'll say, well, I call her names, but I never touch her. Or I throw things, but I don't throw them at her. Or I heard one say, look, I choke her, but as soon as I see that her face is getting red, I let go. So everyone draws the line somewhere. Healthy people draw the line at basically raising their voice. As soon as they feel like, oops, my temper is rising, I can feel that adrenaline going up, there's a surge just ahead. So I'm going to use my circuit breaker or my surge control. And the main surge control is I'm going to use my feet, turn around and walk out. I'm going to just exit. So what is it that stops other people? You said healthy people stop when they feel their voice rising or hear it rising. What right. is going on with these people that don't stop? Great who question. Do hit, usually, who do choke, usually, who do yell and call names and throw things. Right. Usually what's happening is they're doing what seems normal to them because they grow, grew up seeing someone in their own family do that, either to them or between their parents, or both. Mm. So what they're doing is they've got what we call the subconscious learning or the early learning pattern right. in the brain, and it feels normal to scream and if yell. You grew up in, exactly. If you grew up in a family where everyone spoke French at the dinner table, guess what language you would speak? French. Uh, by similarly, if you grow up in a home where they speak the language of emotional escalation and name calling, that's a normal way in your internal programming to deal with differences. Okay, I'm thinking about what you're saying, and I'm flipping through all the many, many couples I've worked with with various forms of crossing the line. And right. you're saying this is early learning, this is these right. people doing what feels familiar, and so for them to install the circuit breaker, I like that image, the circuit breaker, right. so they stop themselves. Before and they, in now, addition what about to the that, person, go ahead, keep going. In addition to installing the circuit breaker and learning to just walk out, uh, they also need to learn to do what, what to do after they've locked out, walked out. Excuse me, I'm stumbling here. Mm, Okay. Because a lot of times people with anger problems have never really learned to self-soothe. They never had a parent who held them and cuddled them when they were upset. So they haven't learned to do that themselves. What they do instead, he should have or she should have, and they just keep themselves revved up by, after they walk out, bringing the other person with them in their head. Right, and still talking to the other person or yelling at the other person or mentally choking the other person. I've certainly had people describe that. 
Exactly. That it doesn't stop. Yeah. Now, so what they about need the parents? To, to learn how to be kind to themselves, how to distract themselves with a pleasant activity, how to take deep breaths, etc. And how to talk to themselves in a loving way, in a self-talk. Exactly. Now, what about the parent? The parent who just goes crazy, because I, this is something that I've seen with a number of couples. They say mm-hmm. things like, we never fight. We never raise our voices at one another. And then one of them will say, yes, but you scream and yell at the kids and hit the kids, and I want you to stop it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, terrorism or abuse, the words are almost interchangeable, is unacceptable from any person to any person, whether that person is a 3-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 30-year-old, or a country, or a group like black people, or um, Jews in Germany before World War II, or Sunni Muslims when Shias decide that they're the ones who want to be king of the mountain. It, it's abuse and terrorism are just unacceptable anywhere. Now, what about the parents who don't know they're being abusive or the spouses mm-hmm. who have this line where they think what they're doing isn't abuse? I was recently right. talking with a family like this where it was clear it's, to me that the well, mom... Uh, I was doing a family intervention, and the mom couldn't say one single thing that wasn't critical or controlling to the children. Exactly. Not one single thing. And she Uh, didn't believe when I said to her, you know, children are like plants. They need to be watered. And the water is your positive energy, your love, your affirmation of them. And her response to me was, well, my children love me. They hug me all the time. She could Yes, not and that's see. one of the sad things is abused children and abused spouses often become very loving and very conforming uh, because they don't want the parent or the spouse to be mad at them. So they're the most compliant or even subservient. The yes, sad that's thing, a, that whole my, my heart thing we see of children who've been abused are more likely right. to just cling to their parents, even when right. the parents are violently abusive. I know of a case where Adult exactly. Protective Services was trying to remove the child, and they clung to the abusive parent who had burned them. Exactly, because that's the only source of nurturance that they've known. And often abusers alternate between being a very loving, nurturing person and being critical and controlling unlike your mom who just couldn't seem to switch to the other side, and there are some like that who are just unremittingly abusive, most often what you see is what's referred to as the cycle of violence. Uh, Angry alternating with loving, alternating with anger. You see that even amongst jihadists, uh, Islamic extremists. They do an attack, and then everything seems quiet and normal for a long time, and then there's another attack. Attack. Mm-hmm. Now, what drives the person who is in that abusive situation to stay? I've spent many, many years in my career 
working with shelters for battered women and their children, yes, working very with the children and working with the batterers. So right. from your perspective, what is it? Everyone says, oh, she should just leave. And you just well, described there's, that there's a it's number, so hard oh, for them I'm to sorry, leave. What were you saying? I it's so saying hard just, to leave. Why is it so hard? Yeah, you just talked right. about why it's difficult for people to let go of the bully, right. the batterer. From your perspective, what keeps a battered woman in the marriage in the long term? So first, after they've been battered for a while, they lose their sense of personal judgment about what's normal and what's abnormal. They begin believing. They get brainwashed, and they begin to believe, well, maybe the problem is me. I should have closed all the drawer in the kitchen all the way instead of leaving it open a crack. It's my fault. Mm. So that's number one, beginning to believe that it really is their fault because that's the message they're being given over and over. They really are a terrible person. Well, then, if you believe you're a terrible person, it's scary to go out in the world and fend for yourself So that sounds even more terrifying than staying in the familiar, painful situation. So what should a person do who, let's look at the different levels. We have the emotional terrorism that's words, then we have actions, then we have striking and actual violence. So which level would you say this is the level where you can do an intervention and and the couple can work right. on it. And at what level do you say get right. the heck out and, and save your life? <laughs> right. So I would add even a lower level. Um, on a scale from 0 to 10, the lowest level, the 1, 2, 3, there's not even name-calling or nasty words. There's a subtle tone of contempt mm-hmm. or critical edge to the voice. It's just on the 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 level of attitude and voice tone. And that even can be demoralizing. And then, as you said, it it escalates up the scale. Yes, that criticism and contempt, you know, there's a a lot of research now, as you know, coming at UW with Gottman and a lot of other people saying criticism and contempt are the death now for For marriage. marriage. Exactly. And I have a whole tool I created called the five C's, and criticism Mm -hmm. and contempt are two of those five C's that the research says will do in your relationship. Oh, the other three are coldness, combativeness, Ah. and control. You got it. May I use your five C's? You are most welcome to use my (laughs) five C's, but only if you counteract them with the five A's. We'll do those at the end. (laughs) Ah, good. And I found also that the positivity words, let's do them quickly. Let's take turns. Agreements, what would you add? I would say affection. Admiration. Absolutely, admiration is one of my A's. Uh And then I'll say uh, admiration affection, allowing the other person to be themselves as opposed to controlling them. And then let's add appreciation. Yes. We've got a pretty co- good collection there. Bingo, of, we do. And then I add yeah. acceptance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Accept. Acceptance that when she closes the draw, she closes it all but a quarter of an inch or an inch or two. And so what? Yes. Or there is no right way to stack the dishwasher. 
<laughs> I don't know why that's such a common issue. <laughs> I don't either, but I swear every couple it's a good, it's, has this silly, well, no, let's put it this way. No one has to go that way. <laughs> so it's a classic of a his way, her way, or yes. my way. No, my way. Yeah, um, and and then let me just throw one more thing on the heap. There is so much to talk about. What about... I, I just recently interviewed someone who should remain nameless who was convinced that biblically the man should be the, quote, head of the household and women should, quote, submit. So I have a friend whom I'm very much in admiration of, a Pakistani man, fairly devout Muslim, and he says the man should be in control. And what that means is he should ask his wife what she thinks about the situation. And then he should ask her, well, what does she think they should do? He should add his perspective and then ask her again what her thoughts are. And then he should say, yes, that's what we'll do. Oh, I love that. That's a great (laughs) way to balance that. So what about the people who firmly believe that they, the men, who believe they should tell the woman what to do and that she should have no say. That's a, the core of an abusive relationship, whether it's uh, jihadists. Look, everybody has to be Islamic in exactly our way. Not only do infidels have to convert, but Sunnis have to do it the Shia way or vice versa. Uh, my um, Pakistani friend uh summer retreat area was destroyed by jihadists who said Sufis are not allowed. They're infidels. So the bottom line is people who are terrorists say anybody who differs from me is unacceptable. Right. Now what are and your five keys to handling me. What what was that? Hello? What are Hello? your five keys? Can you hear me? Now I've got you again. Good. Yes. Can you what hear me? What are your five keys to handling tough situations without feeling knocked over? Exit, 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 and exit. Ah. Uh, so you can yes. exit. If you exit early, you can do it very gracefully, and they don't even know, oh, excuse me, I have to run to the bathroom. When you hear <laughs> that first sign of an edge in their voice or that frown on their face. If you're not exiting early enough, you better make sure you have your key, car keys and wallet handy um, and pick them up and exit out and pick up any little children that might be at risk on the way. If the, the situation feels continued unsafe, then a big exit where you say you move out and then maybe tell them after you've left because the actual Walking out or moving out is very terrifying for the man for all, or the abuser because for all their acting intimidating, inside there's a terrified child who's afraid of losing control and being abandoned. Yes, the abandonment is the big underlying thing. Now, what are the four magic steps that can turn anger into an asset? Ah, so... To begin with, step out so you can calm down. There's two already. Step back so that you have time to bring your energy back. 
the rule I say is anger is a stop sign. So stop interacting. Sometimes people can do that just by changing the topic, but if you have to remove yourself with an exit, do that. Once you've exited, then there's some questions to ask yourself. If you were getting angry, ask yourself, and remember these exits are for the angry person, not just the victim or receiver of the anger. So if you feel yourself beginning to get angry, either just pause and calm yourself down or step out altogether. Once you've stepped out, you ask yourself, hmm, am I at risk because I'm tired or hungry or getting sick? If so, that makes you see your anger in a different light. It's not that he or she was such a problem. It's that I'm just really fragile and brittle. Right. We sometimes use that word halt. Never too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, halt. Stop yourself (laughs) and do something about it. Okay, so once you figured out, hmm, was I tired or hungry, then take another deep breath to make sure you're really calm and ask yourself a very critical question. What did I want in that situation? Not what do I want her or him to do, but what do I want? So let's say a mother wanted her son to help set the table. What did I want? I wanted um, to make sure that the house looked nice and we're all ready for the guests that are coming for dinner. Then once you know what you want, you ask yourself, what's a better way to get what you want? And in that case, the woman might say or the man might say, you know what? If I took a deep breath and then asked my son to come on over, I just want to talk quietly with him. And I'd explain quietly, you know, I'm exhausted. Now you've got his empathy. And all these people are coming. How do you think you might help out? Now, wow, this requires some, to do this requires some degree of emotional maturity and self-control. So for those exactly. people who don't have it, they're not going to be able to operate at that level. That's still a pretty sophisticated level of emotional control. What should, what should a couple do if there's somebody in the couple who has a real anger problem, hasn't gotten to hitting, but there's explosive anger? Do you think there's any hope? Uh, the main hope is the receiver of the anger has to make a decision. Am I going to be, allow myself to be battered? Or am I going to just remove myself from a situation that either my spouse or I can't handle? So when you say remove, what do you mean? Remove yourself by changing the topic or, again, exit. Just walk into another room or, if need be, walk out the door. Now, if it's chronic and this person just does it all the time, whether you leave or not, and you're leaving all the time because they can't control themselves, what's the next step? That's a good question. It may be that that person has to leave the relationship altogether. Hopefully, the person with the anger problem would begin to say, maybe I need to get help. I just hate it when she walks out. And maybe if I see a therapist, that would help me. They yeah, need you know, it's some... a funny thing. I have seen so many very angry people who can't stop blaming the other person or who are in such denial that they have a problem. 
Right, and that's characteristic of people with an anger problem. If you ever hear, well, I'm only mad because she, or I'm only mad because he, oh, you know right away this is a Or you're exaggerating, or I didn't really do it. Right, all the minimizing yeah. So there's so much there, Dr. Susan Heitler. Yeah. We have a lot more to talk about. We have to have you back. So for those who are wondering, are you living with an emotional terrorist? You have heard some of the signs. You've heard some of the reasons that emotional terrorists are that way. Typically, they've been abused or abandoned themselves or doing what they learned as they grew up. They spoke French at home, so they're speaking French as in abuse. And exiting, exiting, exiting is a way to get your foot on the brake. And at the end of the day, if someone is chronically stuck in an emotional abuse or physical abuse pattern, especially if it's physical abuse, you've got to remove yourself. Absolutely. Immediately, You're... we still know that's the number one cause of death for women is being battered and especially pregnant women. So please, wow. if you are in a battering situation, there's no hanging around waiting for it to change. I would add one more piece. If people are at all uncertain, educate yourself. Look, on, look up abuse, look up anger on the web. My book, Prescriptions Without Pills, explains what's healthy management of anger and what's slipping into abuse and terror. Say a little more about that book very quickly before you go. It's Prescriptions Without Pills. Yes, for relief from depression, anger, anxiety, and more. Oh, good. I like it. Great. So pick up that book, and let me give you Dr. Heitler's website. You can reach her at www.thepower, excuse me, not the, it's of. Actually, Two. hold on Power just a minute. It's easier, if they, it's easier if they just go to prescriptionswithoutpills.com. Prescriptionswithoutpills.com. Okay, everybody, you That's got that? Prescriptionswithoutpills.com. Dr. Susan exactly. Heitler, thank you so much. Look for this brand new book, everyone, Prescriptions Without Pills. Go to the website, prescriptionswithoutpills.com. We all need to learn what emotionally healthy responses are and how to cultivate them. And if anyone ever tells you you're angry or have a problem, take a moment to believe them and educate yourself about a better way to respond. All right, thank you, Dr. Susan, and thank you to our producer, Mr. LeGrand Green. Thank you to our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning. Thank you to all of our Modern Love listeners. And next week, we have Judy Frankel, who's going to talk about food secrets that every woman should know. And if you aren't a woman, but there's a woman in your life you love, you need to tell her about it. All right, blessings, everyone, and good night.